You've tuned in to Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. Wow, Daniel. A lot going on this week. We don't have a lot for TV show-wise because things are still on hiatus. I didn't even know Legends of Tomorrow was going was gonna to skip this week, but that only gives us... Gotham, Supergirl, and Walking Dead to talk about. Not bad. So, so it's not bad. So it's probably gonna be a short episode, but we still have. Um, uh, I think we have a little bit of news to talk about because this past weekend uh, was the the big world premiere of Batman v Superman. So all the critics and stars and stuff have gotten to go see it, and you know most of this, most of everything is positive. How do you feel about that? Gives me a little bit more hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, a little bit of hope on uh, the fact that we uh, uh, we aren't going to be disappointed. I still think I'm going to be disappointed when I see that movie. So, um, right now, you know, I just feel like it's going to be a train wreck of a movie. But I'm trying not to judge until we actually see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I'll, I say the same thing. I'm trying not to judge. Because the movie is is not out yet, but yeah, I just really feel it's going to be like a train wreck. There's not going to be, there's just so much going on. So, one thing that we had coming out of there, uh, you brought it up, was um, young Bruce Banner, or Bruce Banner, (laughs) Bruce Wayne from the TV show Gotham, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but what did you say he said on the red carpet? They asked him. What was he asked? Who'd win a fight between the Avengers and the Justice League? And of course, since he's DC, he went with you know, with Justice League. Of course, I mean, why? Why else would? Well, of course, why? Why wouldn't he say something like that? So, if you think about the the Justice League that they have, is what Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman, because they don't have Green Lantern yet. Nope, and they don't. They don't have, uh, let's say, Martian Manhunter, but they do have those six people as of right now. Um, is that six? Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Aquaman, and Flash. Yeah, yeah six. six. Up against the how many people are that are in the Avengers? Well, if you count at the end of Age of Ultron, it's just Captain America, Vision. Thor? Was Thor in, in that last scene? I don't think so. No, he wasn't. So it was Captain America, Vision, War Machine, Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow. Yep. Yeah, those are the five people that were that were there. So uh, I think if you had you had the, the those uh, Justice Leaguers go up against those Avengers, yeah, the Justice League is definitely going to win. I mean, oh, oh yeah, because Bruce Banner wasn't even there at the end, right? No. So, I mean, who are they, if they don't have Bruce, if they don't have the Hulk and they don't have Thunder Thor, who is going to take on 
uh, uh, Superman alone. Nobody's going to be able to do it. Well, Scarlet Witch might have a chance. Because of her magical powers? Right. Maybe, I guess. I mean, you could say that she uses her mind magic powers and gets gets Superman to fight his friends and... Thus, they they come out they come up on top, but but I, I'm pretty sure one good smack from Wonder Woman and, and Superman's going to come out of that daze, <laughs> <laughs> or a punch with Batman's you know Kryptonite ring to his face. Yeah, that's uh, if he has the Kryptonite ring. I don't know if he has it in the movie. We'll have to see. I know. Um, well, that, so that's interesting. I mean, it's not that interesting, but it's interesting that they would they would ask that on the red carpet for Batman v Superman. Um, we also had, I mean, they also have interviews with Zack Snyder, who's kind of being considered the Kevin Feige of the DC movie universe right now, how it's being, uh, handled and, and how it's being mapped out, but he's also the director. So they asked him why, I'm guessing that someone asked him why not have Grant Gustin, who most of the fans know as the Flash. Because of his very popular TV show, why not have him be the Flash in the movie instead of Ezra Miller? And what did he say? He just said he, uh, you know, he's a talented actor and he likes him, but he's like he just doesn't fit um, the role, you know, in my universe. Right, he doesn't fit the the world that that he's building with these characters to the to the point that um, he doesn't like. He, I'm guessing it's just it's just not dark enough. Maybe you know. Maybe he he feels that his world is 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 more uh, real world based as opposed to uh, what is in the TV world. I just really think that that's just the way movies and TVs TV has always been. You don't put TV stars in movie roles, and you don't put movie stars in TV roles. <laughs> um, with the exception, of the say- exception. Of Agent Coulson. True, but the thing is, is that Agent Coulson, or uh, Greg Clark, or Clark Gregg, he has been mostly a TV star. Like, a lot of his his bigger roles have always been TV. It just happened to be that he was friends with Jon Favreau, and Jon Favreau gave him the, that tiny role in in Iron Man, which then it sp- you know, sp- springboard, sprung, sp- springboarded him into... Uh, having this huge role in in the Marvel Universe, and then eventually he just went back to TV. So, I mean, okay, look, yes, you have you have movie stars that go and do TV shows. You have TV stars that eventually become movie stars. The thing is, is that you just don't, they don't have the crossover that much. It's, it's, it's more now than it was before, but, like, you look at, Okay, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, uh, Burt Reynolds won a uh, uh, a, a primetime Emmy for a TV show he he was doing called Evening Shade. And when he got he won that Emmy, he got up there and says, "I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm a movie star." You know, like that's how much like the two sides of Hollywood don't think about each other because. One will be like, oh, well, you're just a TV star, or you're just on TV, I'm in movies. The other one's like, well, we have the better, we kind of have the better product now. Like, TV is almost the better product than movies sometimes. 
if you don't have a huge blockbuster movie, you're you're not making the money that a a, a quality TV show like The Walking Dead is making. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, I don't know. That was kind of a weird roundabout way of talking about the about about what was said, and I, I get what what Zack Snyder's saying. Unfortunately, they need to get over this. Marvel has has made it so that the TV world and the the movie world exist as one, and there's no reason why they shouldn't. So, the I think the bigger part of that interview or that article, which you can find at comicbook.com, uh, as 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 of other places too, um, is the fact that he admits that the world the two worlds do exist in the same multiverse just not the same universe so there is always the possibility that we get some type of crisis on infinite earth where uh you know we have barry already in the tv show running around in different dimensions different worlds what if ezra miller does show up on flash tv show at one point where and they're both barry it could be interesting it'd be pretty fun to watch uh, one article I did see was about Supergirl. So apparently we have Maxima of the New Gods showing up in Supergirl and later this season. Uh, she will be portrayed by a former WWE diva, Eve Ro- Torres. I don't know her as an actress, but, you know, it's not the first time you get, um... WWE uh, uh, superstars to play uh, sci-fi characters, especially ones that are going to have to fight because they they know. I mean, as much as much uh, you know crap that people like to give professional wrestlers, these are people that go on night after night and they do in front of a live audience and they know how to they know how to improv, they know how to be a character, they know how to sell lines and they definitely know how to sell moves so uh whatever she ends up doing could be pretty interesting i do have something to say about this last episode and we're, you know we're about to talk about it anyways uh but supergirl like this this episode they had with the, the red kryptonite uh i found it to have a lot of editing problems i don't know if you noticed it too i don't know um i guess uh one thing i noticed is that me I, I don't know, I felt um, like they tried to make her, they tried way too hard to make her, you know, look hot, I guess, since, you know, she was dressing differently from normal. Right. So I think that's, uh, so I was kind of like, eh, you know, every now and that's then funny just not buying it. That's funny because I thought she was super hot <laughs> in this episode with, with her wardrobe change and her attitude change. So, uh, but I, I, do you have any other... Uh, news that you want to talk about uh no not really okay well let's just get on to supergirl then i usually think we start with gotham but we'll talk we'll talk supergirl first um yeah this was the red kryptonite episode which i always find funny when they bring in red kryptonite with superman because red kryptonite always has a different outcome it like green kryptonite kills superman uh gold kryptonite takes away his powers uh, black kryptonite, I believe, splits him in two. White kryptonite does, you know, other things. And they all have different attributes, except for red kryptonite. Red kryptonite will always do something different. There's some stories where it changes him physically, like his head grows. 
or his skin becomes invisible and super sensitive, uh, or he becomes apathetic, or as as they had it in this episode of Supergirl, she became like without inhibitions. She like it totally changed her mindset to be someone that she isn't. You know what I mean? Right. So in this, I mean, it's kind of like you, you you took all of the all of her niceness and 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 uh, Girl Scout qualities and changed it so that she was kind of a badass, kind of the <laughs> the, the, the the you know uh, a rogue kind of character, um, which I thought was funny because when she was reintroduced in DC Comics in the modern age. Before New 52, uh, it was the Batman-Superman storyline where she gets um, eventually taken in by Apocalypse. Or not Apocalypse. Darkseid on Apocalypse. Very similar characters. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Darkseid and Apocalypse are kind of very similar. But when she uh, is on Apocalypse, she wears this darker outfit. She doesn't have these... Uh, you know, these moral standards that uh, we know for Supergirl. And she ends up, uh, you know, trying to fight Clark and, and, and Batman. Uh, but in the episode, they go to Club Apocalypse. So I think they were definitely trying to uh, get you to have that feeling of this, that same world, that same issues of the, the comic books. Okay. Without, without actually saying Dark Side Apocalypse and all this other stuff. What did you think about this episode? Like, so what you were saying was that you felt that they went too far with the trying to over-sexualize her character in this episode? Well, there was, um, towards the end when she was wearing, I guess, a Kryptonian suit, uh, just with the S on her, small S on her, on her chest, when she was on black. Yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily a Kryptonian suit, but it seemed like a suit that she did make herself, because she said something about about doing the sewing, but it did look a lot like the suits that Nan and her aunt Astra were wearing. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, go ahead. I was drooling a little bit. That's where I found her really attractive. But when she went to the club, <laughs> um, was dancing all over, uh, Jimmy or, um, uh, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work for me because she was, I don't know. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a complete 180 for her character, so it might it's a little disjarring at first. Um, like I said, I thought it was I, I I thought it was hot. I thought she her character <laughs> coming out uh, a little bit more risque was cool, but I knew that it wasn't going to last. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just not the way that these things are. Um, she, her her so her personality changes to the point where she also didn't uh, or she she got. Siobhan fired, um, which, you know, you can't really feel too bad because Siobhan was doing something stupid by yeah. going to the Daily Planet. Uh, she ends up running Jimmy away, which I thought was dumb. Jimmy knew that he, she was under the influence of Red Kryptonite. She, he knew that, uh, you know, was just because of what she said wasn't actually her saying it, though she may have thought it, People think things all the time doesn't mean that they they say it and they believe it. You know what I mean? Right. So the fact that he just got all butthurt and was like, "I need to leave. I can't be around you." It's like, hello. You guys just are dragging this out way longer than it needs to be because you got rid of Lucy, 
and now you're just throwing another roadblock in the way so that we can have the the big season finale where the two of them kiss or something, you know what I mean? I guess. It's going to be all listening all over again. Of course it is. That's, a, that's exactly <laughs> how TV shows work. Uh, I mean, so, do you think that Wynn is going to hate uh, Kara now? I don't know. He didn't have the reaction that I thought he would have after she got her fired. And I, I think he understands that it wasn't really her. It was... You know, it was her uh, altered brain that did it. So I don't think that he'll have a problem with her, especially since he loves her. <laughs> you know, even even if Siobhan was, was kind of the, the nice little distraction, I don't think that uh, he's going to um, hate her anymore or love her any less, I should say. Okay. So one of the, the big outcomes of this episode is uh, the outing of Manhunter. You know, he's no longer going to be Hank Henshaw. They know that he is Jean Johns. Yep. He revealed uh, his identity. Yep, and even even he had the opportunity to get away, but he didn't take the opportunity. Because he revealed himself to basically save Kara. Yep. She, uh, you know, she was going crazy and attacking uh, everybody and to the point that she, she dropped... Um, Cat Cat Grant from a forty-story building caught her at the very last second, and then uh, also, uh, you know, was terrorizing people in the streets, and he had to reveal himself to 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 stop her. So he he did, but in doing so, made it so that uh, the world knows that he is an alien and not Hank Henshaw of the DEO. Do you know what I did read uh, during the week, actually, is that he's going to have, on Supergirl, he's going to have an episode just to himself. Oh, that should be good. I think that's supposed to be the next episode. It's called Manhunt, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's good to get some backstory on him. Um, And if those who listen to this podcast listen to Imagine If, we did a character 101 of Martian Manhunter and his origins and... uh, uh, his backstory. So, if you listen to that podcast, you can find out how close they stick to um, his origins in the episode that will air on Supergirl. I mean, at this point, what I mean, do you think that they're going to keep uh, Martian Manhunter for season two? What do you you know? Oh, I, I mean, obviously, it could go either way, but I really think they will because it only makes sense to keep him around as the, as at least for now, as the, uh, the mentor type character that she needs. She needs someone to teach her how to be a, uh, a superhero or, uh, an alien or what, how, whatever have you, how to use her powers properly. Okay. Unfortunately, they haven't done that yet with his character because he's been, so much like adamant about trying to uh, keep secret who he is. Well, I guess now it doesn't matter. Exactly. Now they don't have to do, worry about that. And it was pretty funny how he made that comment too early in the episode. He's like, "Well, I can't work for the DEO if I'm an alien." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I mean, I, I don't see why you couldn't. He's he's just an alien that deals with aliens. Right. And Does just, that make sense to have an alien deal with aliens? Also, technically they have Supergirl. She's an alien. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, it was funny that the the senator was hitting on him at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yep. Obviously, she uh, she was feeling the the Martian, <laughs> but once she found out that he was, ooh, that all kind of went out the window. Yep. I thought that was kind of harsh. Yeah, it really is. Uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? I mean, the fallout. Obviously, we had we had Maxwell Lord, you know, being somewhat of a good guy. He he didn't know what Red Kryptonite was going to do to Kryptonians. He just thought that he had made a synthetic Kryptonite that would hurt Kryptonians. Yeah, sort of a weakness to try to stop the other Kryptonians. Right. So uh, he didn't. You know, he he went out of his way to help. Uh, Kara get her mind back, so that was kind of good. That was kind of cool of him. Uh, I, I, I really don't antidote. know what they're. Yeah, I really don't know what they're going to do with his character. I mean, he sometimes they want him to be the bad guy. Sometimes they they're like, oh, he's he's going to be an asset. So we'll have to see. Right, and I mean, we I, we see that most of the time anyway with these superhero shows. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, look at how how many times they used Harrison Wells as a as a as a go to, even though he's the bad guy, or uh, John Barrowman's uh, Merlin, you know, in Arrow, he's he's a bad guy, but yet he teams up with with Ollie all the time. Now, not so much. <laughs> yeah, maybe not now, but who knows? A, a year from now, they might be best buds again. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Gotham was a pretty interesting episode. We had a guest appearance by uh, Lori Petty as kind of a, a Joker girl. Yeah, uh, the singer of the punk rock band. Right, and uh, you know most people might remember Lori Petty. She's an actress uh, most popular in the '90s. She was in Point Break. Uh, she was also Tank Girl, which was a comic book movie. By DC. Um, by DC. Well, is Tank Girl DC? I thought it was AD 2000. Um, I've looked up uh, a few covers, and it has a DC logo on it. Oh, interesting. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, she's had her experience with comic book characters, and um, definitely her experience with, uh, with uh, comic books, so... Uh, she shows up. She is the 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 leader of the punk rock group. Uh, you have a whole bunch of people just raving. But how cool was it to watch Alfred just like beat up on that dude Cupcake? <laughs> Pretty awesome. I mean, the whole time sitting there as he's fighting this guy in the street brawl, he is teaching. He's trying to teach you know Bruce. You know how to how how to properly fight. You know you know when you're going up up against a guy that's bigger than you, you do this and that, and eventually you let them tire themselves out because even he was like, "I'm gonna call, say uncle, say uncle." And he goes, "No, don't. I'm I'm fine. Just wait for the big guy to to tire himself out, and then you have the upper hand." Yeah, which you know Bruce or Bruce Wayne as Batman tends to do sometimes. Uh, oh man, just got him with that chokehold and then got him to say uncle. Oh, that was yeah. funny. <laughs> Very cool stuff. I don't know, do you feel, I mean, of course he's not going to listen to Alfred, but do you think 
things would have gone differently if Alfred just did all the talking? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, you know, Alfred is definitely going to know how to, to deal with situations better, but Bruce is obviously so headstrong at this point and, and has the better idea of what he, he thinks he, he's supposed to do when he doesn't really have any understanding of what he's supposed to do. Um, it's, you know, this whole matches. I mean, the whole idea was he, they go to Cupcake to find uh, the name. They're trying to find matches, and then he sends them to Lori Petty's character, which I can't remember what her name is, uh, who then Jerry. sends Bruce to matches Malone. Was it Jerry? Yeah. Okay. Who then sends uh, him to matches Malone, and matches Malone is, uh, you know, the one, supposedly the one that killed the Waynes, and... They accept that idea, uh, yeah. for whatever reason, because uh, uh, at the end of it, Gordon comes out, or no, was it uh, Bullet comes out and says, "You know, we didn't we didn't see it because he was active twenty years ago, but he hasn't his name hasn't been in any police reports in the last twenty years, but he does have the type of rep that he could have done it." Yep. Pretty funny when uh, they went to go see Alfred. Like, we're the cops. You're supposed to tell us these things. <laughs> um, for uh, otherwise, for Gordon, you know, the, the episode had to. Uh, I guess it dealt a little bit more with Gordon, kind of looking at Riddler in a different light, or Enigma in a different light, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I guess at first kind of maybe trying to poke around, but I don't think he really got any indication that there was any foul play from Nigma. but Nigma has totally let it go to his brain that Gordon is looking at him for the murder. Yep. And it's kind of breaking him a little bit more. Like, I mean, he's already broke in his brain uh, from last week or two weeks ago, but he, uh, he is just going further down that, uh, that rabbit hole. <laughs> that awesome rabbit hole. <laughs> I like, well, yeah. Like I said, one of the, my favorite characters on that show is, is Nigma. So uh, I'm ready to take this journey wherever it goes. And then uh, the Penguin got released from, from Arkham. Or not Arkham. Yeah, Arkham. Yeah, Arkham. Uh, yeah, it was... A, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if he's playing along to get along, to get out, or if uh, the electric shocks actually had some effect on him. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him now that he's outside in the real world. Uh, and what is Hugo Strange's, like, in-game? Why would he want the Penguin to be out, out in the real world instead of there where he can control him? Right, but I, I have a feeling that, you know, the penguin was faking it, especially since Hugo was like, "Oh, he's like, I have so much bigger plans for him." Right, exactly. So everybody's got a little bit of some kind of weird game going on, obviously. Right, unless you know Hugo wants to go the tusk route and slowly turn you know the penguin into an actual penguin, like you mentioned last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if that's what's going to happen, then. Uh... Kevin Smith should definitely be watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
so you have Bruce showing up at Matches Malone's. He says, I want to hire you. I need you to kill some people. And Matches is kind of just playing along with this whole thing, even though he knows it's a kid and it seems ridiculous. And eventually, he said, uh, you know, after they get through the whole thing, Bruce says, you killed my parents. Uh, I, we were out there. And he goes, yeah, I remember the, the beads fell or whatever. So it sounds like he knew he knows what what happened in that alley, but I really don't. I really don't think it was him. I don't think, I think so someone's either. Someone's paying him to to say these things. Shit, but I mean, just the way. Even if somebody was paying him, you know, he so shot himself. Yeah, that was another strange thing. So that means that you know, obviously, okay. So whoever's paying him it probably was like, well, you're probably going to find out. Like how eventually you'll find out that he probably had like cancer or something like, you know, like Moloch from the Watchmen. And, you know, he was he was he's doing this so that uh, uh, a relative, a close relative can get some money. And the whole plan was that Bruce was going to go there and shoot him. So he kept antagonizing him until Bruce shot him. But uh, Bruce never did it. So he still needed to die. So he shot himself. Wow. I mean, who? I mean, who? Who could it be that's paying them this money? It's, it can't be Galavan, <laughs> right? Because everybody knows that he's dead. Yep, that is true. We all saw him. We all saw him with an umbrella shoved down his throat. Right. Uh, I mean, even if he ends up not being dead at this moment, he is dead, and, and everybody thinks he's dead. So. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to find out who it is that's, pay- that's paying for this. Do you think we'll find out this season? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this, this is, we'll definitely find out this season. Um, but it was it, it was interesting that you know Bruce then finds it that he needs to live amongst the the people that he wants to either fight or protect. <laughs> And he's gonna live with uh, Selena. I mean, this is a what eleven-year-old kid, and he's come to this uh, conclusion on his own that he needs to do these things to to live uh, to become what it is that he needs to become. At this point, he has no idea what it is he wants to become. He doesn't have Batman in his mind that he that that's what he's gonna do with his life. You know what I mean? Right. So, what is it that he? Uh, he wants to do. He, does he feel that he needs to live amongst these people so that he could be like his father? He wants to grow up to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a person that gives gives all this time and money to to uh, to the the disenfranchised or the the less fortunate. Uh, who knows? I mean. He's been a spoiled kid all his life, so I mean, he just feels, oh, I need to be, you know, one-on-one with these people, the people of Gotham. Right. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's been a spoiled kid all his life, but probably not, but not really been a spoiled brat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, matches really got to him when he's like, you know, he's all some, you know, you're just a man and that, you know, life just gets you down and, you know, you, that's where you make these changes. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's going to be interesting to find out where he ends up going with uh, with this living with cat with a uh, cat with uh, Selena. Um, and this throws in a very interesting uh, story about 
uh, you know, or a, a wrench in the story of where the, those two are going to be going when they become older, you know. How can she not know, you know, that Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same person in the future? <laughs> right. And I mean, in the comics, you know, they have an idea. In some comics, they have an idea of who they are. But, you know, that's their mystery. That's, I guess, what keeps fueling their, you know, romance and stuff, if you want to call it. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's there's kind of been the whole thing that, you know, Selena loves Batman. She'd never really loved Bruce uh, until she finds out that they're the same person. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I think that's all we need to say about Gotham. I don't think there's uh, much else. Uh, without the whole Bruce part of the storyline, that means the rest of the season is going to be focusing more on... Uh, on Gordon and and the villains, so uh, I can't say that I'm unhappy about that. <laughs> more strange, more Hugo strange. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. He's he's. I think he's killing it right now. He's he's doing a spectacular job. Yep. Uh, so you would are you going to mind if we go ahead and skip on to, um, The Walking Dead? Let's go for it. Walking Dead. This was such an incredible episode for for Carol. Uh, I mean, Melissa McBride and uh, 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 Lauren Cohen did an amazing job too. I mean, but I think they focused so much of the episode on 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 Melissa McBride that if they doesn't, she doesn't get at least an, a. a you know, an uh, Emmy nomination for this. I think it's a real disservice to this show. I have to agree. You know, the performances were just so well done. Like, I mean, so, I mean, this episode starts off where we last saw the two of them, uh, Maggie and Carol, uh, out by the Winnebago as the rest of the team is, Dealing with the the saviors inside that telecommunications center, uh, whatever that ended up being, um, and eventually when they uh, find out that there was another part of the group outside and they captured Carol and Carol and Maggie, they take her, the two of them away as as hostages to another site. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a site that used to be a um, slaughterhouse but now they kind of use it as a storage unit for their fuel which i don't know seems kind of weird but i guess you know if you want to hide fuel someplace you don't hide it in a place that usually keeps fuel right because that's where people are going to (laughs) look so uh they're they're there the one of the the one of the team members there's four four team members there's um what's alicia witt's character's name do you remember the redhead no, I don't remember her name. Uh, there was Malls, the older lady that, that smoked a lot and was dying from cancer. There was Shell, the lady that we eventually find out that was pregnant at one point and ended up having to lo- ended up losing the baby. And there's, uh, I believe his name is Donnie, the one that Carol shoots at the beginning of the episode in the arm. Right. So, uh, Carol... 
sees Donnie before uh, Maggie does, and she shoots him in the arm, though she says later on she had a clear shot. She chose to shoot him in the arm instead of shoot him in the head. Why do you think that she chose to do that? She's just, you know, just from the the book, from the previous episode and how she was writing everything down, I think uh, we can just all agree that, you know, all the killing is definitely taking a toll on her. So I, th- I think it's the killing plus the fact of what she said to Sam plus the fact of what uh, Morgan has said to her on more than one occasion now. And uh, all these things have added up to the point where she, she doesn't, she's kind of having an identity crisis. She started off this apocalypse as being a very timid, frail lady who, uh, though was afraid of her husband because he beat on her, used, you know, had to count on him for protection. Yeah. Eventually, eventually he died and it was him, her and her daughter. Still using the rest of the group as uh, as as protection, but and not having to deal with uh, walkers or or you know outside stresses so much uh, because she was protected by the rest of the group. But then that's when Sophia goes missing, and you know eventually you find out that she did not make it; she died. So now she she has nobody left in her life. And I think at the end of season two, that's when we... I think there's the end of season two, right? Or pretty close to the end of season two that we find Sophia dead. Uh, or maybe that was middle season two. Coming out of the um, barn. Right, coming out of the barn. Um, you find... Uh, she. That's when she has to start changing. She has to start adapting. Uh, I think she becomes a little bit closer to Daryl at that point. Uh, eventually when they find, they find themselves in the prison, she starts taking, she, she sees that she has to have a bigger role in, uh, in the group's life as not just a, a mother figure, but as a protector or as a person that, that goes out and, and, uh, and does things. And then she goes, she takes it upon herself to, to protect by by protecting the group by killing two people that are sick, that she knows that the disease will eventually pass on to everybody else and thus causing everybody else to be sick and turn into walkers. So she takes them out, kills them, burns them alive, or not burns them alive, but burns their bodies. So the disease can't go, can't move on. Uh, I mean, just from the, from the beginning of this show to that point, she's already taken on four different roles. Yeah, and I mean, and then event, uh, then that point when Rick finds out that she did, she did what she did. He kicks her out of the group. She has to go and live on her own. She lives on her own for a couple months, and eventually she fi- figures out that the group, uh, w- was she was she there for when uh, when the governor attacked the prison? Um, don't they? She meets up with with some uh, with somebody from the group, doesn't she? And she ends up going back to the prison. Is that what it was? I th- she just, I thought she didn't show up again until terminus when she saves everybody. Maybe, but I mean, she she was hanging out with Ty- Tyrese. Maybe she meets someone. That's up. right. She comes back. She comes back to save everybody at the prison because it's her, Tyrese, Lizzie, and the other girl 
when they're go- on their way to Terminus. Right. Okay. So, oh, and Judith. So yeah. at that point, she even at that point when they're on their way to Terminus, she is the main protector. She's the one. Like, Tyrese is 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 more in charge of the kids and keeping them safe, but she's in charge of keeping them going, keeping them yeah. alive. Uh, so I think all these things, and eventually, eventually she gets to, we get to Alexandria, and. She, uh, when when they get to Alexandria, she has to change her persona so that she can kind of walk amongst the Alexandrians without being looked at as like the same as Rick. How Rick is looked at, she has to be more meek and be this uh, Stepford wife thing. And I think all this has taken a toll to the point that she doesn't know who she is anymore. She doesn't know who she's supposed to be because. She is still like she's the Carol that we know as the badass at this point. Yeah, but she, but she has she she thinks she needs to take on this persona of her original Carol, her you know the Carol that was at the beginning of the apocalypse when they're taken hostage, and she she kind of gets lost in it. Uh, the 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 hostage shaker Alicia Witt, uh, that's an actress's name because we can't remember the the character's name. Uh, you know, it's starts Paula. talking to her. Paula, thank you. Paula says, "You know, how could you be this fragile and make it this long? How?" C-? And these are all words that Carol has said too in the the past few seasons, like about people. How could you? How can you be here if you if you like this? How can you still be alive? And uh, it, it's it, it's just incredible to think about uh, what has to be going through Carol's mind. She 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 has a plan on how, how to get herself out by using that rosary beads, and she thinks quick she, yeah. by you know making making sure that uh, Donnie ends up kicking her instead of kicking Maggie, which could really hurt the baby. Yeah, but she she kind of gets lost in the whole uh, per- persona that she's trying this whole charade that she's trying to she's trying to. Uh, um, Keep, keep. Yes, thank you. Keep. You know, as almost like an undercover cop. <laughs> she doesn't know who she is anymore, and she and we did see her looking at her her booklet of how many people she's killed, uh, and and it, and uh, Paula says, you know, around double digits is when I stopped caring. I, I you know, I I I didn't care uh, about who I was or what I was becoming, but she also talked. Paula also said how she. She killed her boss right away. Yeah, <laughs> like, like just straight up killed him because she thought he was going to get her killed. Yep. So uh, she's not the greatest of uh, of of people. I think. I think. Um, and just everything having to do with Carol and Paula in that episode was was great. Um, and that's only part of the episode. We had Maggie and Shell talking about. How you know they the two shell is 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 exactly who Maggie could become, you know uh, if 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 what if what if the baby doesn't survive, you know pregnancy is a very hard thing to happen or a hard thing for women to go through and it's a, in a world where everybody can be turned into a walker instantly. Yeah, it's it's not a good thing. Um, what was 
what was the the line that Maggie has in there is uh, women have always been the stupid one for getting pregnant. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, she, I mean, Paula calls her and says, "How dumb are you to get pregnant?" It's like, well, it's you know, it's it's not like the men are going to get pregnant, so you can't <laughs> just sit there and call me dumb. So, uh, as I thought, it was very a very interesting episode, very cool. Uh, so much happening and so much character development you're right and then just um just the way how they were all how clever you know carol really is to devise that escape plan you know oh yeah definitely it was also interesting is that like throughout the whole thing like she keeps telling she tells paula to just run just go go away and, and maggie's like no we have to kill them we can't let any of them get out and yep, and the- uh, she and Paula doesn't let her. Pa- Paula's like, no, you you took it this far. You you played along on this this little charade about how you're this uh, scared little cat, scared little girl, and you're gonna have to kill me now. And you know she does. She doesn't yeah. she doesn't kill her a fast way with a bullet to the head. She fucking throws her into <laughs> a spike with another walker, and the walker chews on her face. I mean. She dies. Yeah. She dies bad. Uh, and then she's, and then Carol was also like, oh, we don't have to kill the other people that are coming. And Maggie's like, no, we got to kill them too. And, uh, you know, they lock them into a room where there's gasoline all over the floor and they burn them alive. Which was pretty yeah. awesome to watch. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Uh, so. I really. That's a. Uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm I sorry. Remember, I, I remember when the, watching this vi- episode and ta- and texting you. And I'm like, this is the, one of the greatest episodes I had ever ever seen. And and I and I know you hadn't watched the episode yet, but I and I wanted to just be like, oh, man, this is so great. And then when when you finally did watch the episode, you text me. I was like, I know, right? This, <laughs> it's so good. And I mean, I don't talk back to my TV, but holy shit, this is one of the few times I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know it it was such a such a great episode, um, and you know a turning point. I mean, because so we talked about how the episode before um, Glenn hadn't killed any people, any humans. He'd only killed walkers. Do we know the same thing about uh, Maggie? Had Maggie killed any people up to that point? I I don't think so. I don't think she has. I would almost say she probably hadn't either, uh, but I I don't know for a fact. And she she got in some some good. I mean, she the way she kills Maul by uh, she well she first she convinces herself that she didn't kill Donnie because she pulls off his uh, tourniquet off of his arm and he starts bleeding out and then he starts making zombie noises and she's like, oh no, he was already turning. So he was already yeah. dead. It's not my fault. It's like, all right, okay, we can accept that. Yeah. But then she ties him up to the way that whoever comes through that door is going to get a face full of, of Walker. And Maul definitely got a face full of Walker. <laughs> she uh, she got chomped down on, and and they, they killed her pretty good. Yeah. Um, which made me wonder, where was Shell and, and Paula during this whole thing? Especially since they didn't hear Maul, like, screaming. But... They were they were out and about doing whatever they needed to do, and uh, eventually, when Shell gets a hold of Maggie, the two of them are fighting, and 
<laughs> Shell uses her knife to try and slice at Maggie's abdomen. Like, of all the places, because they had already had this conversation about about uh, about, a ha- about having a baby and, you know, that, that she knows Maggie is pregnant. She, she slices at the abdomen, which would k- hurt the baby the most. And, you know, it kind of just turns on the whole, like, Maggie protective... Uh, mother bear thing but she doesn't get an opportunity to to kill shell herself because uh carol just straight up blasts her in the head yeah <laughs> so and, and see uh, at that point um you know since especially since she went you know to the stomach i think that's why maggie at the end of the episode just went to glance like i don't want to do any any of this you know it's not worth it yeah no i mean that's Definitely, the two of them don't want to be. It's almost like we don't want them to be uh, those type of people. We want to like we like we like them to, to keep those two pure. Like we understand everybody else having to do what they have to do, but those two characters, you just want them to be safe and uh, a happy couple and raise that baby because <laughs> zombie apocalypse. But uh, obviously, something something is going to have to end up changing here at the end of the season, right? I, I don't have that much happiness. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to, I don't know, uh, calm Rick down. I mean, something's going to happen. But I mean, it's true. I mean, you can't just from the stories of, of that they've heard from the people at Hilltop and what happened when. Uh, Abraham and Daryl and Sasha were were met with saviors. They can't just let Negan's people come to him, come to them. They have to take the fight to Negan's people because it's it's going to be bad. And obviously, I mean, what's all this talk about? We're all Negan, and when we know for a fact that that one guy's name is Primo, and he says, "Oh, was, was Negan here or was he at the other place?" And Primo's like. Both, I'm Negan, or and Negan said that. Primo says both, I'm Negan. He says, "Well, I'm sorry, I had to do this." And he shoots him right in the head. <laughs> and Carol was there. Why didn't she say, "Oh, look, they kind of have this thing where they say that they're all Negan"? <laughs> I don't know. Didn't she try to speak up? She didn't. That was the weird thing. Okay. Maybe uh, she. Uh, no, I don't know. This episode—it's <laughs> just been such a good season. That I mean, I don't know that that just kind of left me speechless too, just to see Rick shoot someone just like that. Oh yeah, I mean, he didn't hesitate. He said, as soon as the guy said, "Oh, I'm Negan," he said, "Well, all right, boom!" Like it's <laughs> obviously that's you, you should do a little bit more investigating <laughs> into the whole matter, but. Uh... Yeah. Well, obviously that guy's not going to talk. He wasn't going to talk. No. And we know we know from the you know for a fact because we know Jeffrey Dean Morgan has been cast as Negan and uh you know a little bit more since you've read the comic book about the whole Negan and the Saviors. Is this something that they do in the comic book where where everybody takes on the name of Negan or like they they try and hide the fact that there's a, a one person that's a leader? See, um, uh, like I said before, I've stopped not to, I didn't go too far into the Negan 
uh, storyline. So at this point, I'm like kind of like. You're kind of you're kind of fresh. You're kind of yeah. You kind of at the same point the rest of Sar that just watched the show, huh? Right. Okay. Well, then good that, that we can discover <laughs> this together. <laughs> um. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Other than I mean, other than the both of us seem to just think it was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, this upcoming episode should be good. I can't wait to see it. Yes, yes, oh. uh, you know, just what I've said, this whole, this whole, this season, this return from the mid-season break has just, just been incredible. So this whole season, other than maybe two episodes so far, has been unbelievable. Oh, and, um, special treat for the fans, um, the season finale is going to be an hour and a half long. Ooh, I didn't, I hadn't heard that. Yep, it got announced today. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, you have anything else you want to say? Oh, that's it. All right then. Uh, well, folks, that's that's another episode of Televised Relics. Um, you know, it's a little bit shorter than normal, but uh, I think we still got a lot of good content in there. Uh, Daredevil season two came out this past weekend. We will eventually have. An episode that we where we talk about those episode those that this season, uh, we are prob- probably going to wait a little while while we have, uh, you know, let people catch up. Uh, Daniel said himself he he needs to to watch it, and you know, we're not going to just be we're not going to just we want to talk about it in 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 in, in uh, our larger scope so that we can talk about spoilers and stuff like that. But uh, we just haven't got we're, we're not there yet, so just bear with us. Uh, but tell us what you did like about the season without any spoilers, if you can. Uh, tell us what you thought about the, these three particular episodes of Supergirl, Gotham, and 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 The Walking Dead. Uh, what do you think about the season so far and where they where it's headed? All these things can be talked about on uh, Geekly Radio's fa- Facebook page. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Geekly Radio. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Agent underscore of the underscore Bat. Uh, you know, I'll, I answer a lot there. I talk, I talk a lot there. Uh, Daniel, your Twitter is at Daniel Von Helvet at twitter.com. And, you, and I know Daniel likes to spend a lot of time there too. He's got a, a lot of interesting things to talk about. Uh, and, uh, if you ever want to check out some, uh, past, uh, archived episodes of our podcast, you can do it at geekleetradio.com, which is our website. So, This has been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Networks saying until next time, always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.